Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast in the studio today in Garage Mahal. Today is uh, P. Nate and Pooty, and uh, we're here to help you engage culture with a biblical worldview. How you doing, man? Can't complain. I've got a bit of a cold, and I don't know what it is, but you, I feel like you have a cold whenever the weather is even slightly transitioning. If the weather changes at all, I get sick. I'm com- quite convinced that I would be the healthiest person, like cold wise anyway, that ever lived if I could live in Hawaii. So if you guys who are listening want to make that a thing, <laughs> feel free. Chris is currently taking up donations to do missions permanently in Hawaii. I like that you added to do missions. I was just going with like live in Hawaii, but um, yeah, so, what, what you said. <laughs> speak, speaking of weather, so I did my last wedding of the season uh, this past weekend. And uh, so now keep in mind, we are in Canada, right? So I know we got a lot of friends in the southern states. Um, we're in Canada and it was 40 degrees. Now, degrees mean something different here. That means 105. Okay, there. there you go. So 105 degrees Fahrenheit, 40 degrees Celsius. And I did my last wedding of the year and it was outdoor wedding. So this is end of September, right? And uh, 40 degrees outside, blazing sun, black suit. It was horrible. You got like bridesmaids, uh, you know, uh, uh, makeup running down their faces. You got like... It was, it was, it was rough, beautiful, beautiful wedding, but super, super hot outside. So I think that broke some records, but like true Canadian weather, uh, just a few short days later, <laughs> suddenly we are in Tukes. We are literally in Tukes in Garage Mahal right now. Yeah. And I'm a little cold and it's not because it's cold <laughs> in here. I just mean like, cause I haven't warmed up in about four days or yeah. three days since the weather changed. Yeah. Um, it's very, my house, I feel like everything's going backwards because I had my air on and then overnight I needed to turn my air off and turn my heat on. And I was just like, I don't, what has happened? It went from cold, like welcome to Canada. It's like every year we forget that this is where we live. I I just, I do what it is. I think that this happens earlier every year because we always have that, like almost like it's about to get cold in August. So we don't swim. And then all of a sudden it just like comes back in fury in September that it's like hot again. And then I'm like, we close the pool. Dang. Yeah. Mistakes, mistakes. So, uh, so that's what's going on weather-wise in Canada. Um, but uh, what else is going on, uh, Chris? I know you were chuckling over there a second ago. What were you? What were you looking at? Well, I, I realized that when I asked for donations, that I I might be starting to get influenced by some of the people I'm reading on Twitter just to get some chuckles. So I was looking at our good friend Stephen Furtick. Um, nice. Yeah, he's nice. Uh, let's, okay. Let's have some fun with Furtick. <laughs> some fun, <laughs> fun, fun with Furtick. One, what's, he, what's he saying? Have you actually seen him? Like that guy's jacked. Yeah, I know. I wonder, I'm a pastor, right? So I wonder how other pastors find so much time to work out. I, I like, I have a, I have a young family. I have a church. I do rebel Alliance. That's my life. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, pretty much all I got. That's all you got. The difference I think, I think, um, is that he, he's a preacher, you know what I mean? Or, well air quotes preacher. Um, I don't think he, now I, I'm just guessing, but I, I'm assuming he doesn't minister to every, all the 30,000 people in his church. So how many they have? Yeah. That's they, crazy. but that's like 15 different satellites. It's crazy. That place is insane. Elevation church is who we're talking about. If you're not familiar, you might've sung some of their worship songs, but their head pastor is a guy named Stephen Furtick. And, and he's jacked and he wears kids t-shirts. He, I'm fairly co- confident he shops at the baby gap. Like, <laughs> buys them online he's like oh well i've already spent the money i need i need to wear this t-shirt that's not going to cover my navel 
Why, why, why did you just almost do like an Arnold voice for Stephen Furtick? Every single person who's jacked is Arnold, just, just, like just has, has that Arnold voice. voice? Okay. I feel like the more muscles you have, the deeper and more like Austrian your voice becomes. That's probably a pretty sound theory. Okay, I, so, so time. fun with Furtick. What's he saying though? <laughs> this is the one that got me chuckling. Um, it's a tweet. Your greatest message will be spoken by your life, not by your lips. I like the voice too. I like the voice. Although you you got away from the Schwarzenegger voice. Well, I was uh, trying to be his voice, and then I realized I don't actually know what he like. I don't know. I can't do his voice. Uh, yeah, that's a that's that's problematic. That actually reminds me of that whole uh, Saint Francis of Assisi's right, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. That's what that sounds like. So, F- Furtick, if you're listening, <laughs> what, I'm sure he is. What you're trying to tell us is that our life will be the greatest message we ever speak. Um, not anything that we actually say, which actually contradicts what the Bible says <laughs> when it says that the greatest message of all time, let alone my own life, uh, is the message of the gospel, and the message of the gospel is to be spoken. How are we to hear except hearing, or how are we to believe except hearing and hearing by the word of God? So, sorry, Furtick, the Bible seems to contradict your tweet. So that would make him wrong. <laughs> nice, nice. Transition. Transition. The, yeah. the other one I got here that I thought was, uh, you know, it's just, it's bordering on that where it's like straight up prosperity where I'm like, I don't, I think he's kind of towing that line a little, mm. you know what I mean? Where he's like he's trying to foot in both camps. He's trying to, he's trying to be that right. Yeah. Like, so this one, God loves you too much to leave you where he found you. And I just keep changing the voice in the middle. God loves you too much to leave you where he found you. Now, part of that, I would have no problems with that if he meant like, God will change you into the person that he wants you to become. Right. But I think the implication there is God won't leave you in whatever life circumstance that you find yourself in at the time. Right, 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 right. And he's going to bring you out of that. Where I think the Bible specifically teaches that you have to expect more suffering once you become a Christian. <laughs> right. Like it's going to get worse for you. God probably. loved Paul an awful lot and he, he loved him enough to keep the thorns in his flesh. So sorry, Furtick. <laughs> exactly. So I, and I like, so that's all, all how you're going to interpret it. And I think we just have to interpret it by what right. we, we said there. We don't exactly right. know. So if you're listening, F- Furtick, feel free to uh, <laughs> let us know. So. Uh, well, those are some of the ones that I, fa- that I found here for you. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, Chris, we just need uh, Rebel. Oh, this Re- one's terrible. Okay, cut go you for off. It. All right, go for I'm it. Cut you off. I just scrolled down one more. From what date is that? September eighth, two thousand seventeen. I like how whenever you're like reading anything, you get super intense. I'm hoping somebody like you know just <laughs> puts us on the radio. For- oh, okay. Hey? Okay. No, I don't know. Anyway, sometimes God. Must win the battle within you before you can win the battle. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read that. All right, I let me start again. Focus so much on the dramatic reading. Sometimes God must win the battle within you before he can win the battle for you. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just, you know what I hate? I hate it when, when pastors try so hard to not use Christianese that they just sound stupid like talk bible to me Tell, use some words that the bible uses man i i agree i i'm i'm quite convinced that his only goal in these things is headlines he's a headline preacher right, right, right he's like i've got a couple key phrases that i think are gold i'm gonna throw them out and people are gonna latch on to them retweets likes i'll make hella jack because he's rich <laughs> so anyway fun with verdict fun done. with verdict don't 
don't hate us if we don't like Stephen Furtick. Um, I, I was going to say, though, while you have Twitter open there, Chris, uh, uh, Rebel Nation, can I use that, can I use that phrase? Really? I, I use that to refer to our 10 listeners. Um, we're up to 10 now. Up to 10. Um, no, no, is, uh, we're all wondering, Chris, has Justin Bieber gotten back to you about uh, coming on the podcast? Oh, the Bieber Watch. Um, no, he has yet to hashtag Bieb watch hashtag hashtag rebels want Bieber, um, has not, mm, I don't know that hashtag could be misconstrued. I didn't mean it like that. No. <laughs> well, I know apparently I could do the same thing as Furtick and just say something that doesn't make any sense. Um, no, he has not yet got back to us, uh, all right. but I think, I think it's because he's too busy. You know, he just put a Jesus fish on the back of his car. Like he's got some work to do right okay. now, right? So okay. he's in that stage of like where he's got to grow. He'll eventually get back to us and then we'll have Biebs on the podcast. We'll go global. It'll be crazy. All right. Um, we actually have uh, quite a bit of exciting news. Uh, we, the, the Rebels have some cool news. If you listen to us and you're from the area, right? So if you're from London, Ontario or the surrounding area, uh, we have a really cool opportunity actually. Uh, where we get to go on October 22nd to the University of Western Ontario, and uh, we're partnering with a Christian organization that used to be Campus for Christ, now uh, Power to Change, and we get to do a workshop on engaging culture on campus with the biblical worldview. So they've asked us to come in, uh, do a workshop on that, field some questions, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. So if you're a student and you're listening to this, and uh, even if you're not a student, if you're in the area, we'd uh, stay tuned. We'll maybe throw some information up there. Um, but uh, we're really looking forward to interacting with the students on uh, on Western Campus. It's yeah. coming up. Rebels go live. I think. Rebels go live. There's, and we, there's a new hashtag for you to start. <laughs> I'll, I'll just start throwing. Beebs, if you're in the area, if you're in the area, feel free to swing by. What we need is stickers so we can just put it everywhere, yeah. so that people see it. But anyway, um, the neat thing about that though is that we're actually going to field questions live. Yeah. So you're great. You guys are going to get to hear it. But if you have a question that you want to actually hear us answer without any filter or any preparation feel free to join us <laughs> are we really as smart as we sound or as dumb as we sound one of us is <laughs> for the smart thing <laughs> uh, but you get to ask the questions and i think that's i think it'll be very good to get to uh be in a cult like in in somewhere where we can actually interact with people who are on the ground in this in this war as we speak yeah and help them in the circumstances that they find themselves in right at that time so yeah um, okay, so we have uh, we have an episode today, and I don't actually think we're going to take too much time to go through some of this content, but what, one of the things we wanted to do is we laid out a biblical case over the last two weeks for continuationism, and that is just our belief that this, the supernatural spiritual gifts uh, in, outlined in the New Testament have continued uh, and continue to be in operation today. And we, we say that um, fully, uh, fully rejecting uh, the kind of hyper-charismatic stuff that we see, uh, the chasing of spiritual gifts, word of faith movement, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, we reject all of that stuff. And, and so we, what we did want to say, because we recognize that, that there is some danger in embracing a continuationist point of view, that you can take that too far. Like so many good and wonderful and beautiful doctrines in Scripture, we can apply our own human sinfulness to them and, uh, and, and use them in a way that God never intended. So we want to talk about mysticism today. And mysticism is essentially uh, a branch of, of Christianity um, that talks about personal experience with God 
um, as the the ultimate Christian experience, right? So uh, the idea of Christian mysticism is is the development of mystical practices or theories within Christianity that allow people to commune with God and be in the presence of God in some sort of special or supernatural way. Um, so, I mean, if you've ever heard terms like, I, it's going to be hard to say some of this stuff with a straight face. <laughs> Have you ever heard the term soaking, right? Soaking in the spirit, right? Slain in the spirit, some of this kind of stuff. Um, people talk about having these heightened experiences where the presence of God is so manifest around them so that they become so acutely aware of God that there's this, there's this communing with God that goes beyond scripture, that goes beyond whatever, and is this kind of personal experience. Uh, we don't affirm that. <laughs> no, we don't, don't do that. Um, we, uh, we wholeheartedly believe that, uh, uh, God communes with his people. He resides within us. Uh, we don't, however, believe that that ever happens apart from the word of God and the engagement of the mind. So, uh, Romans 12, two is very, very clear that, um, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, meaning that, uh, God does not bypass the mind in order to get to some direct communion with our experience with the flesh or with or with the spirit. Um, so anything just in, in by way of introduction, Chris, anything you want to say on mysticism? I, I, I'm very af- not afraid is the wrong word, but I'm very concerned when I hear people use the phrase I'm a Christian mystic or describe themselves in, in these terms as if, there's a level, a hierarchy of Christian Christianity where it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a brain Christian. I, I, I think through my faith, but then there's the person who's a little bit more enlightened because they, right. they, they've now experienced God on, on a personal level. If you're regenerate, you've experienced God on the most personal level you can right. possibly be. He dwells inside you. Exactly. He took what was dead and made it alive. You can't have a more impactful experience than that right there. Right. So there is no hierarchy of that. So I, I, I'm always very concerned when I hear that phrase, which I also pointed out, have you, it's always notoriously vague. Yeah. Like what does that actually well, mean? Well, yeah. What do you so there's spe- this, there's this guy, Bernard, uh, McGinn, uh, and he's kind of a well-known Christian mystic and he defines Christian mysticism like this. Get this, uh, Chris, that part or element of Christian belief and practice that concerns the preparation for, consciousness of, and the effect of a direct and transformative presence of God. What? <laughs> what? Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and so you're right. It's absolutely vague, and the problem is it's vague because the Bible doesn't actually teach it, so they can't go to any clear teaching on Scripture to to support their point of view. So it does become this kind of flaky, vague, mystical sort of experience, and they're describing it. And, and so often they'll say, well, because it's an experience, it must be experienced in order to, uh, to you know, really be defined and, and you know, to, to attach human language or reason to it is to diminish it. And what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's importance to, to remember that there are other spirits that are at work in the world. Right. Um, and... So when you seek an experience, when that's what your goal is, your goal isn't to know Christ more. Your goal isn't to, you might think that that is what you're doing at that time. But if your goal is to seek 
an encounter or an experience with the Holy Spirit, you you run the risk of manipulating that to happen. Right. And you run the risk of thinking that you need that second experience, that, uh, that mystical uplifting, if you right. will, to have some sort of confirmation of your, of your faith. I, I'm trying to struggle even for words cause I'm not this person at all. Yeah. Um, and you run, you run the risk that you, you, you butt heads with things that aren't of God. Right. And we see this in, in scripture when, in Acts, there was the magician. Like his name escapes me. Simon. Yeah. Simon the magician. There we go. I knew it was an S. Simon the magi- magician, who could do things with yeah. miracles, miracles without the Holy Spirit. He wasn't a Christian yet, right? Which means he was seeking. He was a mystic. He was seeking experiences, and then found found the Holy Holy Spirit. So I think I think we need to. There's a danger that I think these people run into where they're they're tapping into or bumping up against is a better way to probably say it against things that they don't understand. And they think these things are from God because they assume incorrectly that the only spirit that has power to give or to do things is the Holy spirit, which isn't actually the case if you look at it in scripture. Right. So there's, there's basically two kind of, um, so because mysticism itself is so hard to interact with because it's all based on personal experience. And so we can go through some of the writings of, of mystics or, or even some, um, uh, some celebrities who would fall into this sort of Christian mysticism um, category. And, and we all know those Christians who talk about personal experiences and, and, uh, and having these, these rapturing visions or being caught up into heaven and um, all this kind of stuff, being caught up into the presence of God, right? There's the IHOP, Mike Bickles, Prophet, uh, right? The what? Uh, uh, what are the uh, something prophets from? Anyway, IHOP, Kansas I- City Prophets, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kept um, saying IHOP of like the pancake place. <laughs> no, International House of Prayer. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's all kinds of them, and we could start naming names. And but when we interact with their readings and their teachings and their writings, the problem is, is that they're all about experience. So I can read your experience and say, I don't believe that happened to you, and then you could say, Well, it did happen to me, and we're at an impasse. So. What, what we want to do is we want to say, number one, that um, the way that God sanctifies his people is not through kind of meditative trans, trances where he communes with his people in some sort of funky new age way. That's, that's not scriptural. The way that people become more like Jesus is through the renewal of their mind, according to Romans 12, 2, and by the picking up your cross and following Christ. Those are the ways. Dying to self— right? And being renewed by the, uh, uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those are the Christian ways. So there are two basically, so rather than interacting with their experiences, um, I want to interact with kind of two uh, uh, kind of root theologies that I think are unbiblical that lead to this. So the first one maybe is more controversial than the second, although um, both of them could potentially get us kicked out of our church. Um the first is is this idea that a second experience with the Holy Spirit is necessary. All right, so um, Pentecostals would call this right baptism in the Holy Spirit. That upon conversion, there is some other experience that's necessary after conversion for you to gain access to some sort of extra 
relationship with God. And we would just simply say that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. And, uh, and you know, the, the first place that I would go to is uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'll start in verse 11. It says, In him, that's Christ, we, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So the point here is that you've been predestined, there's an inheritance, there's an eternal uh, experience for you, be with God forever, And it says very, very clearly, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, when you first hoped in Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed means it's done. It's sealed. It's put on you. It's God's doing. He seals you with it. So my point there is that very, very clearly, this is the the most clear teaching by Paul in Scripture on when uh, a believer receives the Holy Spirit, and it says, when you believed, when you heard the gospel of your salvation and believed upon it. So when you got converted, you received the Holy Spirit. And when you received the Holy Spirit, you got everything you need from the Holy Spirit. So a second experience is not necessary in order to gain any extra access to the Holy Spirit or to God. Exactly. And I think I think the whole idea of needing a second experience is birthed out of a, of a bad theology in the first place because... To stereotype, most people who believe in the second experience would generally come from an Arminian camp who would think that they need, that they could lose their salvation, that they right. could, that this could drift away from them. So right. even though they were sealed in the spirit at one time, they could lose that and then need it to come back in power in their lives. And I think once you understand that that's just not how salvation works, right. that you can't become regenerate without the Holy Spirit for sealing you into it. Yes. Because only regenerate people get sealed into it. Exactly. You can't lose your salvation farther. And so you can see once you start down that bunny trail, how you can start thinking that I need a second experience. I need a third experience. I need a fifth experience. Yeah. I need all the experiences. Whereas someone who, in, in my opinion, would interpret the Bible in a more biblical way, I guess would be the way to say it. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm I, trying, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I was trying to be diplomatic, diplomatic about no, it. No, don't be. You're right. Um, would see that and be like, I don't need a second experience because I have the only experience I need. Right. And that's and that's not them saying, I don't want the Holy Spirit to empower me for ministry or to empower my teaching on Sundays or, right. or whatnot. No, no, no. That's saying I don't require another experience to fully understand my faith. Right. And so I think that's where we would yeah, reject so, that teaching. Right. And so you'd you'd see denominations like the Pentecostal Church that would say that, um, you know, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's where you receive, like, the gift of tongues and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. And what's so interesting I found about that is, is so what you're saying is that there can be a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit. Which means that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't manifest gifts of the Spirit. So there are Christians whose lives aren't characterized by the fruits of the Spirit. You have, you have Christians who are, are not able to cultivate joy and peace and patience and love and, and gentleness and kindness and self-control in their life because they don't have the Spirit. 
So what you're doing is, like you said earlier, you're creating two tiers of Christianity. You know, tier one is the real tier who have had the second experience. And the other one's, well, they're just regenerate. That's not what scripture teaches. Exactly. Which, which leads like, let's, let's play that scenario out for a minute, which is what leads to the, the fake right. experience of the Holy exactly. Spirit, which exactly. I think we would all, even people who have had, who would say that these experiences are real or whatnot would say they don't want right. people faking experiences. And I know, I know there's people listening who have had someone in their lives tell them at one time, well, you just have to start speaking in this language and then it will come and then God will give it to you because yeah. you just have to trust that it's going to happen. Where it's like, no, 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 that's just not how that works. You right. know what I mean? And so it's the idea of like, don't try to manipulate an experience. Well, don't seek the experience. And you, that was really good. So you, you connected it with kind of an Arminian theology, which, we, which um, for those listeners who we might be losing them with terms, is, is essentially talking about the view that um, man's sovereignty, right? Man's free will trumps God's sovereignty, meaning that we choose God. And he doesn't choose us. Um, when the Bible very clearly says we love because he first loved us, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Um, and so, um, but so you related those two things. I think that's really interesting because all of these errors, I would say, are born out of a very man-centric theology, right? I choose God. I had something to do with my own salvation. I can, I can, you know, access the Holy Spirit in such a way that I can um, operate within these gifts, right? I can begin to speak in tongues, and then the Spirit will respond by giving them to me. Um, it's a very man-centered theology, and we would say the Bible, from beginning to end, is God-centric, not man-centric. Yeah. So exactly, it's rooted. It's rooted out exactly what you're saying. It's rooted out of a very bad perception of who's the important part of the story. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm the center of the story or is God the center of the right. story? And absolutely. Once you, once you get your mind around those two, those two things properly, that God is what matters and you are not. Now, <laughs> we just want to be clear here. We do believe that the, the working of the Holy Spirit in someone's life is progressive, right? We do believe that. We, we believe that um, you grow in the fruits of the Spirit. You ought to be more joyful tomorrow than you are today. You ought to be more loving tomorrow than you were today. And, and maybe tomorrow, we'll just say next year than you are today. Like sanctification is a real thing. The Holy Spirit um, making you like Jesus is, is progressive. So that's not to say that there aren't experiences. We do believe in experiences. Absolutely. But experiences rooted in the Word of God experiences rooted in in the be, having your being transformed by the renewal of your mind it's it's the scriptures and the spirit dwelling inside of you that uh, leads you through the process of sanctification so um, so we're not saying that experiences and and the the work of the spirit kind of all are done right at the moment of salvation but what we're saying is that you have access to everything that you need at the moment of your salvation in terms of access to God and um, and justification through Christ and um, access to the Holy Spirit now Absolutely. how they work in you is progressive as you continue on your life yeah I think I think we're we're more arguing against the idea of trying to trying to make this happen right like well trying and, to... and the necessity of a second yes. <laughs> experience in order to gain some sort of extra access so that's the first one so this this whole second experience um i i would call it heresy i i, I would call it um 
even if it's we're not going to call it heresy, the second experience um, theology that we think is at, at the very least deviant theology um, is one of the things that leads to mysticism. Um, the second thing that leads to mysticism is uh, maybe a little bit more technical. So let's just uh, let's just uh, kind of break it down. And that's the idea it, it, that man is a dichotomy, not a trichotomy, or man is dualistic, man is not triune. So what I mean by that is that um, the Bible is very clear, I think, in its teaching that man is material and immaterial, dualistic, two comprised of two pieces, dichotomy. Um, it, we are flesh and we are spirit. Those are the two things, right? In, in, the, in Genesis, God formed man out of the dust, right? And then breathed spirit into him, yeah. breathed the very life of God into him. So it was the coming together of body and spirit that makes man. Yeah, so body and soul, if you guys are trying yeah. to think of a way to put that in terms. Right. Mind and physical form. Right. So, um, and then there are... Christians who would say that like God is triune, um, that man is triune, that man is a trichotomy. And, and, and what they would do by that is they would separate soul and spirit. So they would say man is made up of um, body, soul, spirit. And what they would say is that the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, right? The, the human side of your immaterial self. And then your spirit is is the part of you that is um, that is clean, that is innocent, that is spiritual. That's the part of you that communes with God. And I think uh, we we can we can go through all kinds of stuff, but I would just say that that's that's unbiblical, because I think um, soul and spirit are used interchangeably in the New Testament in a in a variety of places. So I think that this this idea of dichotomy versus trichotomy is the other thing that uh, that sometimes plays itself into Christian mysticism. Yeah, and what and just help some some of our listeners probably don't understand why that would be a problem if you if you separated soul and spirit. So give us really quickly. Sorry to put you on the spot here, Nate. Nope. Uh, give us really quickly an understanding of why why that's a something that you should not consider. Like why is that a bad thing to think of? Okay, so um, so first of all, like I said, uh, because the New Testament uses terms like soul and spirit interchangeably, and so I'm thinking uh, right now of Matthew 10, 28, or Luke 1, 46 and 47, or 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3, or 1 Corinthians 7, verse 34, uh, soul and spirit seem to be used interchangeably there. Um, one of the reasons I think that this is so dangerous is because Number one, when you separate kind of the, the human side of your immaterial self and the kind of supernatural side of your uh, immaterial self, right? So you're separating soul from spirit and you're defining soul as, as mind, will, and emotions. What you're saying is that there's an immaterial side of you, a spiritual side of you that communes with God that's separate from the mind. And, and that's just not what Scripture teaches, right? We've already quoted uh, Romans 12, 2, that we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. God does not commune with our spirit and bypass the mind. So that's number one, because, um, and, and again, like, we, we recognize that understanding uh, the, the, the gospel is what, is what brings us to repentance and faith. We understand that Romans 1 tells us that what condemns us before God is the... the um, 
the suppression of the truth that we know, we know, intellectually know about God. And so that's what condemns us. So the the Bible both condemns and saves based on God's interaction with the human mind. And so to say that there's a separate component, a spirit that is separated from the mind leads to really dangerous things. And one of the one of the areas that's really dangerous is um, you even have people who hold to man is, is triune or, or the trichotomy of man. Um, you have people who would then say that the fall affected our body and our soul, but not our spirit, because the spirit is the part of the, the part of us that is the, the very breath of God. And how can the very breath of God, how can the spirit of God be corrupted? And that's that's leading into all kinds of crazy mystic stuff about the God inside of you, the peace of God that's inside of you. Not not pieces and P E A C, but P I E C, right? <laughs> the, that that we all have a bit of God inside of us. And so um, to to say that there's any part of man that the fall didn't uh, pervert is goes directly against scripture. Yeah. And so and then here's where you see people starting to even reject original sin because then they'll say okay well you can't obviously be born bad if you were born with a spirit that's from God and the spirit from God is is clean and innocent. So it leads to all kinds of heresy in that way and and all kinds of things that are just contrary to God's word. Yeah, it, it, this is why I wanted to bring it up because it's it's very important that we get this this piece because if you separate the two and you do that I don't know, word, word jiggery or whatever we want to call it, where they're separate <laughs> and the, the, the spirit of the soul are clean and pure. This is what leads to the idea of, of things like universalism where everybody, everybody will eventually be saved because how can, if everyone's spirit is pure, then we get there or the, or the idea that all paths lead to God eventually. And these ideas, th- this is the kind of thing that if you don't get this right, you're in danger of running down those, those roads, which lead to destruction right and so and i think that's very important just so we're not getting too technical on this episode i would just i i would really um uh tell our our listeners if you want to go into this a little bit more uh lewis burkoff uh did a wonderful work on this uh he he died i think in in the 1950s um but he was a a great theologian and he wrote uh, a paper on um on the, it's called the Reformed Basics on Dichotomy and Trichotomy, and uh, and it's it's short. It's not like a whole giant work. It's a it's essentially it's a it's a position paper, and he does a really good job at not only um, identifying a couple of the tough verses. So the tough verses would be um, like there's there's that one verse that talks about um, separating soul and spirit, right? That's kind of the go-to verse, and so the the trichotomists are. are pulling an entire theology out of one verse. Uh, but he does a good job of not only explaining that, but going into all of the, the difficulties. So if you are if you have been taught that man is triune and not dualistic, I would encourage you to go and read that because um, while you might not be practicing any of the things that make this heretical, I think there's a lot of danger to it. It's a slippery slope. So um, so I would go and, and get reformed by the scriptures <laughs> on uh, on your particular view there. Yeah, and I think... I think- if you're if you're one of those people who are prone to seek experiences, I would I would challenge you to think of what the actual goals of biblical spirituality are, and those goals would be to glorify God with your life, with by fellowship and enjoying Him, His fellowship and knowledge of Him. Um, you know, you are told we are told in First Corinthians ten thirty one to 
for the glory of God, we do things. We do things like eating, drinking, fellowship with our friends for his glory. Start thinking what spirituality is biblically. Spirituality biblically is obviously to bring us bring us to God by training ourselves to be like him. Right. Be conformed to the image of the sun. Romans 8, 29, I think it is. That is the goal of spirituality in, in our faith, is to be conformed to what Jesus was like right. so that we look most more and more like him on a daily basis and to enjoy him yep. and to give him glory because yep. that's what our lives are about. It isn't to have a have a third heaven experience or to see things that other people don't see or to get closer to other things. It's to glorify him. And I think if we can get that idea right in our heads, we won't run the risk of seeking an experience where there isn't one to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, because as you hear us talk about uh, um, this stuff, you might wonder, well, why, why does it really matter, right? Why, why worry about whether or not man is dualistic or triune? All I know is I'm me and what, what else do I need to know? And I would just say, the reason this stuff matters is because um, there is a great um, sin in all of our hearts, a desire to get away from the hard work of sanctification and look for the silver bullet, look for the way in it, right? And, and so we think, we think that we, if we, if we could just experience God, then our doubts would be quenched. If, if we could just, um, you know, uh, feel the presence of God, then we would, you know, we know this is real and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the reality is, is that's not what the Bible tells us that we ought to be seeking. The Bible tells us that um, the, the life of God in the soul of man is God's word renewing our minds, God's word renewing our hearts, and God's word so saturating us um, that it puts to doubt or puts to bed any doubts or fears or any of that kind of stuff that we have. So, so do not look for the silver bullet. Do not look for an easier way to experience the Christian life. The Christian life is experienced through the study and the application of God's word in your life. It's it's hard. It's work. But it's beautiful and it's joyful, and uh, and we would just we would just encourage you to wrestle with the scriptures if you want to uh, be sanctified. Don't look for uh, some sort of special experience outside of scripture. Amen. There's nothing more to be said on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's uh, that's kind of uh, we just wanted to to get that out there um, because with uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about about continuationism, we we don't want any of our listeners uh, to go down the slippery slope of of finding themselves into uh, in a, in an area where uh, the Bible hasn't spoken. So uh, hopefully you found that helpful. Anything you want to add as we sign off here, Chris? Yeah, I just I just basically want to say the same thing. Like even though we said last week. To, that Paul tells us to earnestly desire the gifts, what we're saying there is to earnestly desire to bless the church. Right. And so don't seek an experience of these supernatural things. Find ways to bless your church. Right. And if that ends up being a gift of healing or tongues at that time, that's fine. Don't seek the experience. Seek how to give back to the body of Christ. Right. Good stuff. All right. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for uh, joining the Rebels once again. Take care. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Rebel Alliance podcast, where we equip you to engage culture through a biblical worldview. Please take the time to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, write a review, and leave a five-star rating.
If you would like to see all of our content, which includes podcast episodes uploaded to iTunes each Wednesday, and short videos about engaging culture released on Facebook each Friday, please visit us online at rebelalliancemedia.com. We love hearing from you, so if you have questions, comments, or would like to suggest episode topics, send us a message on Facebook or email us at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, and you may now consider yourself part of the rebellion.